You're listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. With Don Sarah. With Don Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Sex Gets Real. I am, of course, your host, Dawn Sarah, and this episode is coming out just two days before Valentine's Day. For a lot of you, it's the shittiest holiday ever. And for others of you, it might be something that you look forward to, and that's a fun excuse to do something a little out of the ordinary or maybe an excuse to splurge. Not that we ever need one. I will be alone on Valentine's Day, um, desperately missing my sweetheart and working so, 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 so hard to birth this year's Explore More Summit which brings me to a little exciting news. So the Explore More Summit has officially been announced for 2017, and it is going to start on March 8th. You can go to exploremoresummit.com to see what I have been (laughs) sweating and bleeding and sobbing over for the past couple of weeks trying to birth. There are some amazing speakers set up for this year's talks. It's a 10-day event that's totally free. If you signed up last year and you stayed on the list, then you will be, of course, getting the updates, but be sure to go and just make sure you're signed up, check it out, see what's going on. And of course, if you want to support the show and you want to help me to be able to continue doing this super fun, incredible work and to continue connecting with you, you can go to patreon.com slash sex gets real. You can support at as low as a dollar, which is amazing and lovely. And I love seeing your names come in. Also, this episode is sponsored by hotelsbyday.com whether it's Valentine's Day, or maybe it's an escape from Valentine's Day. Maybe it's an escape from the family, from your job. Maybe you have some super delicious erotica that you've been dying to write, but you haven't been able to find the time. Get your day stay at uh, hotelsbyday.com. Of course, with 5% off for Sex Gets Real's listeners, Sex Get oh my God, (laughs) sex gets real listeners um, with code SGR5 off for 5% off. So be sure you head over to their website and just see what's near you because they have actually a pretty good selection of hotels in most of the major cities in the US. And um, I think they have a couple internationally too, but I tell you, I just bought um, a pass to some co-working space near me just so that I can get out of my house and actually interact with other human beings during the day. And I am so tempted one of these days to just grab myself a hotel room and like order in room service and just like dive in deep to some projects that I've been wanting to do. So check it out for yourself and head over to Patreon. Of course, newsletter subscribers already know February's theme for confessions this month is surprises. And I'm going to skip confessions this week just because it's going to be you and me. And I have so many emails in my backlog and I wanted to try and power through as many of them as I could today. Not really like a speed round, but close to it. Um, just so that I can share some appreciation and help answer some questions that have been pouring in. So we are going to jump right in. All right. The first one um, is actually a really recent email, and it comes from someone named Mike. And it says, Dawn, I love your show. My wife and I have a great sex life. I usually deliver her an orgasm 100% of the time. The last three times I haven't. She was on the verge of coming, then lost it and couldn't get it back. The first time was intercourse where I came first. My bad. The second time I was fingering her, trying to make her squirt for the first time, and she lost it. And most recently, I was using a dildo on her. She recently had a major health scare. My concern now is that these last three times are in both of our heads. 
I was thinking about just using my tongue on her next time to keep it really basic. I'm upset that I haven't delivered as I love her very much and I want to satisfy her. I fear the next time will be four in a row. Thanks for your time. Love ya, Mike. Oh God, I have so many thoughts on this, but I have so many emails to get through. Okay. All of you know at this point that as much as I love orgasms and as much as I love coming, and I am a huge fan of it myself, um, I also don't understand the obsession with orgasm because it sets us up exactly for this situation. When we rely on orgasm to measure our satisfaction and to use as some type of goal that we need to achieve in order to be successful, then we feel like failures when orgasm doesn't happen. And that's not to say you can't be frustrated when orgasm doesn't happen, but what about all of the other things that are happening, right? So one of the times was you were fingering her to try and make her squirt for the first time. Well, anytime you're trying new skills and exploring new parts of the body, you should expect very different responses. Also, G-spot stimulation and squirting can feel really different for different people. Like for me, squirting isn't always actually pleasurable. So even though it's a thing that might happen, it might not be something that actually is super enjoyable for me. And other times it is. So that might be something that's happening for your wife. Um, you coming first, I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing. Like, why does she always have to be the one that comes first? If you're having intercourse and you come first, then who's to say you can't continue the super sexy time with toys and fingers and mouth and a really yummy erotic massage to kind of raise the levels of arousal again? Yes, orgasms can be a head game, right? So if we're stressed, if we're worried, if we're pressured, it's much more difficult for an orgasm to happen. But feeling like you have to deliver one every single time, I wonder what kind of pressure m must your wife feel knowing that you feel like the only way to quote unquote deliver and knowing also that you are this upset is going to be pressure that she internalizes because she's going to feel like if she doesn't come, you're going to feel upset. You're going to feel like a failure. You're going to feel like you didn't deliver. And that's just like tremendous pressure for anybody to be on under. And then our bodies have trouble, you know, performing in that model. So I would encourage you, Mike, to actually take orgasm off the table. What are some ways that the two of you can connect and reconnect and try new things and have some new sensations that are outside of your normal wheel wheelhouse. If she recently had a major health scare, she may be relating to her body in a new way. So how can the two of you get to know that new version of her? Where are her fears and insecurities? Um, what kind of stress is she under? Maybe a really long massage would feel really good. Maybe showering together and using the shower head on her could feel amazing. Maybe she's not ready to orgasm and she's afraid to tell you that because she knows how much you want it and expect it of her. Maybe she wants to just enjoy the pleasure without having to have an end goal. So I think the right thing to do here would be to have some really honest conversations with her about how you can maximize pleasure and connection without any of the pleasure, the pressure, the expectation or the goals. Because to me, what I'm hearing is a whole lot of pressure and goals. And that, when I think about sex, doesn't sound very fun. So I hope that you and your wife use this as, as an opportunity to, to have some new conversations and to savor each other and enjoy each other without feeling like you have to perform at a certain level. And I hope that for all of us, right? <laughs> like, let's just take the pressure off and instead... Do what feels really good, even if it doesn't fit our expectations. Thank you so much for listening, Mike, and for writing in. I wish you the very best of luck. I am going to keep powering through. Okay. I got an email from someone called Big Vulva. It's not a question, but it is a share that I just wanted to make sure I got out there. And it says, no more embarrassing vulva lips. 
Hi, Dawn. I love the show. And needless to say, you're amazing. Thank you. You had someone write in on an episode about a woman who hated her vulva lips, and she was embarrassed by the way her vagina looked. I'm a 24-year-old woman who's been sexually active since I was 16, and in these eight years, I've always hated the way my vulva looked, solely due to the fact that I have really big inner labia. My experiences with seeing other women's bodies was simply from porn, and let me tell you, it was the worst thing to see these tiny, teeny pussies that the men seemed to love. Having that image always in the back of my mind, I always hated the look of my vulva. One of my exes even asked me why I had such big lips, to which I had no response, and it made me feel even worse. I've been dating this guy for almost a year, and when I told him about my emotions about my vajayjay, he was shocked. He said he loves the way my vulva looks, he loves my inner labia, and how meaty and juicy it is, and he can't get enough. I want that listener to know from someone who has been battling this inner conflict. The person who loves you will love the way your vulva looks and feels too. Porn is not the norm. Love your body and the right person will not even second guess how good you look. Ah, I couldn't agree more. Whether it's our labia or our penises or our testicles or our boobs where there's hair around the nipples or whatever it is right? Our bodies are so diverse and rich and different. And there is no normal. There is no standard. They are all built for pleasure and sensation. And when, when we're struggling to accept ourselves, it's nice to know that there's people out there who will accept us and that can often help us find the acceptance in ourselves. So thank you so much for writing in big vulva. I love that your boyfriend adores your big, meaty, juicy pussy. I know Dylan would very, very much approve. So I got an email from Randy. The subject line is, did you really say that? So let's find out what I got in trouble for. Hi, Dawn. First of all, I'm a huge fan, and I've been listening to the Sex Get Real podcast for a while. Please pass along my regards to Dylan. I will. I was listening to podcast 143, where you were talking with Sarah Papalardo um, from Reductress, and about a half an hour into the program, you offhandedly said, there should be a tag, not for grandma. Now, I understand wanting to filter information about our sex lives from our family, but I hope you weren't slamming or excluding seniors about being interested in sexual matters. If so, I think you need to talk with my friend Joan Price again. Just saying that as a person who is old enough to have grandchildren, I hope that wasn't a backhanded dismissal. You'll get to my age soon enough. Regardless, I continue to find your work and your podcasts extremely valuable, and you are one of my favorite sex educators. Keep up the great work, and thanks for letting me be a bit of a grumpy old guy. Thank you so much for writing in, Randy. I super appreciate it. I went back and I listened, and you're so right. That was absolutely within the context of... Sarah talking about some of the like super inappropriate things that Reductress puts out, like wearing your boyfriend's cum inside you when you meet his parents for the first time and not wanting your family members to come across some of this. So that was absolutely not a slam against folks of any age, because we definitely know that You can have incredible, delicious, nasty fucking sex into 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. And that's actually something I'm so excited about. Yeah, like, I hope that's my story. I hope that my story is that when I'm in my 80s or 90s, assuming I make it that long, that I'm still super connected with my body and having amazing pleasure. But I appreciate you sharing your concern with me because you're right. We shouldn't discount the sexual experiences and the desirability and the yumminess that is being in a body of any age. And I hope that listeners who are tuning into the show, who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, feel inspired to have all kinds of yummy sex and to have it be whatever kind of sex you want it to be, right? That's true for any of us. So I definitely appreciate 
the call out. And I'm glad I had a chance to clarify. Sometimes it can be awkward having those conversations with our own family members. But um, yes, I just want to make sure all listeners know that no matter what your age is, young or old, um, sexual expression and sex is something that I just hope for all of us if that's what we want. So thank you so much, Randy. So I got a text message from someone named Allie. And it says, Hey Dawn, my name is Allie. And I just wanted to say that I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I was wondering if you could elaborate some more on strippers. I believe that there are many misconceptions that are made in regards to how these men and women enter the adult industry and sex work. Thank you. And I look forward to your next podcast. Thank you so much for listening, Allie. I certainly don't want to speak on behalf of sex workers, but I know that from talking to sex workers like Andre Shakti and Madison Young and Kitty Stryker and so many others that haven't been on the show, that like any job, people enter into various forms of sex work for lots of different reasons. But we live in a capitalist society where we need to be able to make money in order to survive. And sex work is no different from any other job. So some people go into it because it looks fun. Some people go into it because they don't have any other choice. Um, Some people stumble into it through a series of um, interesting events. And like any job, whether we're talking about, you know, being a social media marketer or a bus driver or waiter at a high-end restaurant or at a really cheap restaurant, right? There's good parts and bad parts of any industry, including stripping and sex work. So of course there are going to be places where, um, abuse happens and where consent isn't really present, but there are also going to be super amazing experiences. Like I know so many people who do, do burlesque and it's literally a trauma healing experience to be able to share their body in a sex positive space and maybe make a little bit of money, right? For some, from some tips. So I do think there's a stigma around people who go into stripping and porn and sex work that they're somehow broken or traumatized or on drugs. And it's not to say that that isn't true for some people, but it's not the whole story. And so I can't speak to the reason that strippers start stripping, right? Because that's that's just this global statement that doesn't make any sense. But when we listen back to older episodes and we hear how Andre and Kitty and Madison and all of these other amazing people got started in their work of stripping or erotic modeling or pornography, they all have really unique stories. And so I think that's just the thing that we need to remember, right? Is that there's all different reasons that people end up in this. Some of them are very healthy and empowered. Some of them are kind of, eh, you know, I mean, shit, there's abusive conditions in most corporate spaces. I know because I was there for 17 years and experienced lots of terrible things like misogyny and sexism. And some people are in horrible abusive conditions, but it's a labor issue and nothing more. So um, I would encourage you, if you're curious about the stories of sex workers, to check out the Whorecast podcast, which is nothing but sex workers talking about sex work and their stories. And so if you're looking for a rich resource where we actually get to hear from sex workers themselves, which is the only source we should be turning to for information about sex work is sex workers. Um, the Horrorcast is a really fantastic place to go. So I hope you'll check that out, Allie. And thank you so much for listening. I got a very short and sweet email from someone named Gary. And it says, hi, Dawn, I'm a nudist. And I have a fantasy of being in CFNM situations. How common is this for males to feel this? Best. Gary. I had never heard of CFNM and I just turned to Alex when this came in and I said, what's CFNM? And he knew. 
clothed female nude male. <laughs> and I was impressed. So then I didn't have to Google it. I just had to ask the husband. Um, I'm not going to answer this question directly because I have no idea how common that fantasy is. And I don't think anybody does, right? For every self-reported person who's into that fantasy, there's probably dozens more who don't admit to it or share it. And so I think the better question isn't how common is it for men to have CNM, CFNM fantasies, but instead, where can I find community around these fantasies? Because no matter what kind of a fantasy you have, there's other people in the world who have that fantasy. It's just a given at this point. I mean, whether it's tentacled alien sex or sacrificial fantasies around sacrificing someone or vampire fantasies and doing blood play or wearing diapers or wanting stuff up your butt or sharing a spouse with multiple people. I mean, it's literally endless. There are so many different ways that our sexual selves get to express what's inside these erotic landscapes that we have. And so I would encourage you, Gary, to get onto something like FetLife or some of the kinky groups that are on Facebook now, where you can connect with other people who are nudists or who have an interest in CFNM. And if there's an element of like submission and domination, then you'll definitely be able to find even more groups around female like femdoms and humiliation and that kind of a thing. But find community for the fantasy because they're out there. So it doesn't matter how common it is. It doesn't matter if there's 100 other people on this whole planet that are into that. There's 100 other people that are into that. So you're not alone. And if it's a million, then there's a million other people. But I can guarantee you that there are fantasies out there that billions of people are into and they're still going to be the naysayers that think that they're weird. And so we can't gauge the validity of our sexual selves and our fantasies by how many other people are into it and instead just say, I'm into this and I want to connect with other people who are too so that we can talk about it and I can find resources and I can explore this side of myself and find erotica around it and potentially find partners around it. So to you, Gary, and to anybody else who's worried that the thing they're into is weird or abnormal, the question isn't whether it's weird or abnormal. The question is, how can you find other people who are into it? Because there are other people who are into it. So I hope you find a space either on FetLife or Facebook or any of the other amazing places that exist on this <laughs> very huge interwebs to find some CFNM fans and then start exploring what that looks like for you and ways that you can incorporate that into your life. Good luck, Gary. So I got an email from Lady CC. The subject line is "ew" with exclamation points. And it says, I just wanted to tell you how very glad I am that I happened upon you and your website. I'm a 46 year old woman who's had desires, but was too unskilled in bed to even know what I wanted. Now I have a start and oh, there is so much out there that just blows my mind. Yay, it's working. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lady CC. I love that this has given you permission to start learning and exploring. That's the whole point of this, right? So thank you for writing in. I love getting emails like that. Okay, got an email from someone named Mary in Arkansas. And it says, first of all, I love the show and I've been wanting to email you for the longest time, but I'm so behind that I figured it wouldn't be worth it. My husband wants to have anal sex so bad, and now we are working towards that. But does it ever start feeling pleasurable for me? It feels weird. Weird meaning something is there and starts to feel pressure and I feel like I have to poop. I want to pleasure him because it really turns me on when he is so into something. So any tips on anal, anal lube? 
We have brands that numb it, but I don't really like the feeling. So any advice would be appreciated. Thanks and have a wonderful day. Yay, anal exploration. I love that your husband expressed this interest and that you are being so willing to try something outside your comfort zone because you love him being turned on. That is such a generous thing to do as a partner and a lover. So the first thing I want to say is that I actually have a class that's all about anal. And it was a workshop that I did live online back in 2016 at the end of the year, and I recorded it. And so now you can actually take the class anytime you want from the comfort of your home. And it's me talking about the basics of anal pleasure, anal anatomy, and anal sex, and answering some questions from people who were in the class. It's pretty basic. It's a starter kind of course, but um, I think, Mary, this would be perfect for you. It's 27 bucks, and if you go to sexgetsreal.com slash butts, with two T's, B-U-T-T-S, then you can read all about the class and what we cover, which includes like prostates and myths, the best lubes, and you can take the class. I think it's 90 minutes, 27 bucks. Put on your PJs, grab a glass of wine or your favorite little snack and take it and share it with your husband and see what you both learn. And then it'll give you new vocabulary for sharing about it. The two things that I want to say to you, Mary, are one of my favorite lubes is Uber Lube, which is a silicone lube that I really, really enjoy. And if you go to uberlube.com or to any of the feminist sex toy shops, you're probably going to be able to find it. So Uber Lube, all one word. Um, I really love that for all kinds of sex. Also, Sliquid sassy gel. That is a water-based lube, but it's really thick like a gel. So that cushion can be really nice for anal. Um, the other thing I'll say about anal is if you have a vulva and you are trying to do anal, it can be really, 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 really critical to include clitoral stimulation when you're doing the anal stuff. It can be super overwhelming to have new sensations in your ass, especially if you and your husband are going like multiple fingers or his penis, which is not a place where I recommend starting from. But if you've got a lot of sensation going on in your ass, then stimulating your clitoris can be this incredible way to activate your pleasure network. And I'm talking... Like, even for me, well, I'm actually not like the biggest anal sex person in the world, so I shouldn't say even for me, but for me, um, you know, anal can be really overwhelming. I've had a lot of trauma. I've had people force themselves into my ass, and so my ass carries that, and it can be really, really, really tough for me to relax. And I might want it a lot, um, but it doesn't always work. And one of the things that I've discovered is that if after I'm really nice and warmed up and really relaxed and we go to do something a little bit more aggressive or bigger in the butt, like a couple fingers or a dildo or a cock, if I have a vibe or a magic wand on my clit or even if just my hand is down there and my entire clitoral network is getting activated and engorged and throbbing with pleasure it kind of moves all of the sensations from my ass into a new place where they're not overwhelming anymore. They're part of this larger symphony that's happening. So I would highly encourage you to try that, Mary. But also check out the class. I think it's important to know what your anatomy is like, starting slow, giving yourself lots of permission around it, trying some toys that are designed just for butts, that can be a really good way for beginners to feel less intimidated around anal stimulation and, and insertion. So definitely check that out and give yourself permission to just be awkward at this for a little while, right? We're not always really good or comfortable with something because we've tried it half a dozen times. Sometimes it takes a couple of dozen tries in lots of different contexts with 
different levels of arousal in different positions with different pillows and lubes until you find the combination that magically works for you. And that could look really different from the combination that magically works for me. So just give yourself permission to play around. But I love that you're being so like giving towards your husband and wanting to explore this. And I hope that you are able to find something that makes it feel yummy and delicious and fun and pleasurable for you. So be sure to check that out. Sexgetsreal.com slash butts, B-U-T-T-S. You can also find it by just going to sexgetsreal.com and clicking on the workshops tab. There's a little button there. So good luck with all your butt adventures, Mary. And um, I hope you find something that makes your ass very happy. I am powering through those. I feel like such a rock star. I still have like so many to go, but I just wanted to like make a little bit of a dent in my backlog. And can I just like tell you really fast? So I have been working so hard on getting the summit ready for this year. And between moving and just feeling really blah about the world and politics and knowing that Alex was going to be leaving. And it was just really hard for me to get started on the summit this year. And I kept procrastinating. And so, of course, I pushed myself right up against a wall. And I've been doing like four hour-long video interviews a day. And to be on video where I have to be like fully on and pay attention to my face (laughs) and connecting with people by actually like making eye contact. I've just been so exhausted to the point where like, I was just like laying in bed crying last night. And so it's so nice to just like talk to you and answer questions and feel relaxed and just like have fun instead of having to be on. Like I have to be sometimes with interviews. So I am so happy to just be here with you, just like you and me and these great listener questions. And it just feels like a really nice break. (laughs) Okay, so let's dig into some more. Um, I got an email from Deb and the subject line is just can't get to the top. I am in a straight monogamous marriage. I have some past experience with BDSM and I've introduced it to my husband. It has mostly been great except for one thing. He is a switch. I'm a bottom. So he expects us to take turns, but I just can't feel it. I don't even think I'm doing it well when I try. I'm even thinking about suggesting we find someone who can top us both. Even if he was willing, we are in a small community and I wouldn't know where to start. So can I learn to be turned on by topping? Deb. Oh, I love this question, Deb, because I actually just interviewed Midori, who is amazing. And one of the things that Midori is very well known for is her three-day intensive called Forte Femme. And it's a three-day experience that helps women learn how to step into their domination and into topping. And the program is for like super, super, super newbies who aren't even sure if it's for them all the way up through like professionals who have been pro-doming for 25 years and just kind of need to like reconnect with themselves. And she actually talks a lot about it in our talk for Explore More. So be sure to check that out. But between Midori and... Princess Callie's interview, which Deb, if you haven't heard that yet, I highly recommend you check out because Princess Callie um, had some really great suggestions for female domination. And that was on episode 121. I think there's a couple of different avenues you could take here. The first is, I don't think it's a terrible idea for you to consider finding a top. I think that you could find a way to still be straight and monogamous in your marriage and have someone who offers a topping relief to you, right? So whether that's hiring a professional, um, which many people feel is very different than kind of establishing a personal relationship 
with someone, right? So, you know, when you're hiring a professional, you're getting a professional result. So much like working with a massage therapist or a counselor, hiring a professional to dominate either your husband or both of you, right? You're going to get to choose the circumstances and engage in something that really fits your needs because the professional is there to show up and help create this fantasy for you. Um, I think there's also opportunity. There are so many ways to do BDSM where it doesn't have to be like a sexual exchange. It can just be an energetic exchange or an experience exchange. So there's certainly the opportunity to find someone who can top your husband where if sexual encounters with like genitals and fluids and nakedness and all that kind of stuff is something that doesn't feel aligned with your relationship structure. Well, then who's to say you can't have a really fun, rewarding experience of your husband being topped by someone where the clothes never come off, or maybe your husband gets naked as part of like a humiliation or a submissive thing and the top stays fully clothed. So I think there's like options for exploring you not having to top and the two of you still being able to really work ethically within your current relationship structure without feeling like you have to like upend all the things unless you want to. But I love your question. Can I learn to be turned on by topping? I'm not going to say yes, just because I don't know you. And there are some people who just can't get turned on by certain things, right? So, I mean, there's a long list of things that it it would probably take a lot of work for me to find something erotic in certain things. I'm not going to say never and that I couldn't, but there are definitely some things out there that while I might think that they're really sweet or fun or entertaining, might not actually be an erotic experience for me right now. And so that might be the case for you when it comes to topping. But if there's one thing that I've learned from my experiences in topping, which have all been fantastically awkward, um, and from talking with Princess Callie and Midori and um, Andre Shakti and some of the other people that I've had wonderful conversations with around being like a pro-dom and a femdom, is we tend to have this idea that domination looks a very specific way. And if you go to Midori's website, um, actually, Midori just put a video up on Vimeo that is all about kind of female domination. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you go to sexgetsreal.com for this episode. Um, so you can look at that. But you know, one of the things that Midori likes to talk about is, um, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but also in Tristan Terramino's book, The Ultimate Guide to Kink, Midori has a whole chapter in there around forte femme and tapping into your female dominant. And it's a really good chapter that'll give you some ideas. So you can find a way to be dominant that is a very personal expression of what you have inside of you. And by by looking at women that you admire, that you feel close to, who have an energy that you appreciate, so like fictional characters in movies, right? Like, um, I really like the energy of Laura Croft from Tomb Raider. She's like really sexy and strong and has kind of like this fighter element, but she's not like over the top cruel or ridiculous. And so like, there's just something about her that like, when I think about female domination, like I really like the way she holds herself and she moves. And so for me, that might be one of the energies that I would kind of try to cultivate for myself. So there might be something in you, Deb, in people that you find attractive in characters of mythology. And this is all coming from Midori. Um, that, sh- that can inspire what your version of topping looks like. So maybe it's not 
And keep in mind, your version of topping may not be your husband's version of topping. And they don't have to be perfect matches. Midori talks about this a lot in the interview that I just did with her um, around your husband probably has like a thousand ideas of the ways that he wants to submit and be topped and what those fantasies look like. Your version of topping does not have to look like that. So you get to create what feels good for you. It might be really soft and subtle, but have kind of this like cold steel undertone to it. Or it might be really loud and playful the way that like Sunny Megatron is um, in the way that she tops. And there's lots of laughter and silliness, but there's no question whatsoever that she's still like your dominant in your top. So you get to first cultivate inside of you what might be possible. And then you and your husband get to start kind of playing with potential fantasies where you're coming from your power and your version. And he's thinking about his fantasies. And now you get to kind of negotiate. So don't try and fit yourself into the version of dominant that your husband wants. And also don't try to fit yourself into the version of dominant that you like submitting to since you said you're a bottom. The type of dominant that you might like bottoming to may have nothing to do with the kind of topping energy that you're able to actually channel. So when I have dominated in the past, which is not very much and was very awkward, but that energy... I hadn't quite found the way for it to to sit on me comfortably. Like it felt just a little bit like an ill-fitting suit. So I was kind of starting to find it, but hadn't really found the thing that just made it feel like I could relax into it. But my version of that was not like the type of dominant that I want to submit to. It's not the kind of dominant that like... Alex is. So give yourself permission to kind of play in that space and have fun with it, right? And if you just find out that like at this point in your life, you are super into being a bottom and being a top just super doesn't feel like a good fit, it's okay. You can find new ways to work around that and play in that space with your husband. It doesn't have to feel like doom and gloom and dread and failure and frustration. So play in that space and see what you two can negotiate and try on and and what the options are. But definitely check out check out Princess Callie's episode. Definitely check out Midori's talk for the Explore More Summit. Don't forget it's all free. So you can watch it on the day that it's released for 24 hours for free without having to pay for it. And also check out The Ultimate Guide to Kink by Tristan Terramino for Midori's essay and go to Midori's website, fortefem.com. All of those links and resources are going to be on Sex Gets Real for this episode. So check that out, Deb. Thank you so much for writing in. And I hope that helps some other people that were feeling kind of stuck around it. Minka wrote in and it says, Hey, Don, I would like to include porn in my husband and my sex life. However, we've had issues in the past with my husband secretly watching and masturbating with porn to the point where we hardly had sex. And I was always initiating it or he'd make excuses because he had watched porn earlier that day. Currently, there is no porn involved with him or I after lots of discussion about it. Would you recommend trying to include porn or not? I love your podcast. Thank you, Minka. I think this is a space where you and your husband get to get to talk about what this means, right? So I don't think that there's anything wrong with your husband watching porn in, you know, on his own time and not involving you. I think that's an okay thing to do. I also think it's okay for him to have time to masturbate on his own, where he gets to be in his fantasy world and explore his sexual pleasure with just him and his body. But if doing that impacts your relationship, then of course that can be painful and problematic. And it sounds like that's the place where it got to. 
So there's lots of different options. And of course, one of them could be hiring a coach or a therapist. Um, and I'd be happy to talk to you more about this if you're interested. But, you know, what would it look like if the two of you set up time at certain points to watch a little bit of porn together and talk about it and see how it felt and maybe masturbate do some mutual masturbation around it, right? Um, or to have porn on while you're having sex. And I don't think that the answer is to tell your husband, you can't watch porn and you can't masturbate. I think what the, the answer is, is I really like having a sexual connection with you. And it feels best when it's you know, a couple of times a week. And so what can we do to ensure that like your needs are getting met and my needs are getting met? So maybe he gets to watch porn before you guys have sex. And so I don't think the answer is to cut him off completely because that's just going to drive the behavior further into shame mode and further into the closet and make it even more enticing and dangerous for him right? So that's where we start to get into compulsive behaviors is when we feel like we absolutely can't do the thing. And now it's all that we can think about. And so I think there's a couple of different places where you need to start with this. One, have the conversations with your husband around, you really want to include porn. You think it would be really hot. And is that something that the two of you can do together? And what are all the ways that you could do it? Would it be watching it and then mutually masturbating? Would it be watching it and then you take turns masturbating? Is it having it on while the two of you have sex? Is it putting it on and then not touching each other just to build that tease? And then hours later, you get to just like consume each other. And I think there's also something that a lot of people forget around porn is not all porn is the same. The porn that your husband likes getting off to might look really different than the porn that you want, Minka. So you might have to actually kind of try some porn on. Here's three that I found that are really hot. Can you share with me three that you found that are really hot? And then see kind of where there might be some overlap so that you can share porn that you both find arousing. Because it might not be a given that what he watches you would like. So again, that's another place to like play. But I also think it's important that if your husband enjoys watching porn and masturbating to it, that he has an opportunity to do that. So how can you also create space for that to happen where maybe he does watch porn and masturbate? And so then his penis doesn't get hard for you. But what if you still are able to have this really erotic, delicious sexual experience of him going down on you and using toys on you. And it doesn't matter that he's already come three times that day because he's present for you and your pleasure and your experience. I just want to offer that there's a couple of different things happening here. And I think there need to be some conversations and some negotiation and trying things on. It might take some hits and misses and some ups and downs to start finding a balance where both of you feel like your needs are getting met and you both feel like you have the opportunity to explore your pleasure and be with your body in a way that feels really good. But I will say that if you banned him from porn, the likelihood that it's going to become a problem again or be compulsive again is, is pretty high just because that might be an important part of his sexual experience. It might not be. He maybe was doing that because he didn't feel seen with you, or maybe he felt really pressured around expecting his penis to be hard. And so to escape the pressure of performance, he turned to porn where there is no pressure because it's a one-way kind of thing. So give yourself permission to have some feelings around this and to continue having conversations with your husband. But I think the point is, if you're going to incorporate porn, it's about playing and having fun. So how can you turn this from a, 
here's all the things that went wrong and this feels really bad and I don't know if I can trust him to how can we make this like a game? How can we make this really playful and experimental? And how can we get curious about all the different ways that we can experience masturbation and porn and sex in our lives so that we both feel like our needs are getting met? So I hope that was helpful. And if you need any recommendations for porn, please let me know because you know I always have lots of those. I'm actually going to put a link on this episode um, on the website for Erica Lust's new website that has a whole bunch of um, lots of erotic films to choose from. So go to sexgetsreal.com slash EP148 for episode 148 and scroll down to the resources. I'll have a link there for this new website that Erica Lust is doing that has lots of different types of erotic material for you to choose from. Thank you so much for listening, Minka. There are so many more questions to get to, but my throat is drying out and I actually have another Explore More Summit interview to do in a couple of hours. So I just want to leave all of you with this. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for writing in with your questions. Don't forget to submit your stories for surprises. The theme for March Confessions is going to come out next week. So make sure you're on the Sex Gets Real list for that. Please go to exploremoresummit.com and look at all of the amazing people I've been talking to and sign up. It is absolutely free to listen to all of these talks. And of course, if you're on Patreon, support Sex Gets Real, patreon.com slash sex gets real. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day and or totally boycott the fuck of that crappy capitalistic Hallmark holiday. <laughs> Do whatever you need to around that. And I will talk to you next week. I've got some really great interviews lined up for the next couple of weeks. Reed Mahalko, Madison Young, the owners of Self Serve, which is an awesome shop down in Albuquerque. So stay tuned and I will talk to you soon. Bye.